Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, we've had a couple of people reaching out to us um, about the same general theme. And I guess this is a potential problem that happens whenever I'm the host and I'm here in my 30s is that there's other people going through other stages of their lives that are seeing different problems that are within them that just haven't become really my my spot in life yet, essentially. And you, having been a priest, have seen people in, in many different avenues. And you're not kind of like me, who's essentially captured in that same belt span of all of his friends and more or less all the employees being the same general ballpark of age. So since you have a much more diverse and experience with people and and much more qualified to, to know about the spiritual side of things, um, I wanted to, to bring it up here in, in this episode. So where I'm trying to get to is that we've had a couple of emails about people who are at a stage in life where people around them are beginning to, to pass away um, take on illnesses, sicknesses that essentially in the Old Testament, they said that God didn't like you and that's why you got leprosy. And, you know, basically that spiritual question of how do I deal with this? Why do I deal with this? Um, obviously, I'm going on a not so big limb saying that we now know that you're not getting cancer or whatever because God doesn't like you. Um, but to, to get into when we are dealing with these types of situations in our lives, how do we address them? How do we bring, bring closure into our lives and, and, and comfort and, you know, consoling people, but doing it from a correct theological standpoint that doesn't put us in a, in a bad situation. Uh, say again, how, how do we bring comfort and consolation to people without yeah, with, with with knowing what our faith background is, and, and knowing how how the church has taught us to address these situations, essentially coming from the standpoint of the faith, how should we address these situations? Mm. Yeah, well, uh, it's you know the whole the whole topic of uh, of intercessory prayer uh, and the whole idea of what do you ask for is important to take in the whole context of what is prayer in general and then also what is what is life and what is the purpose of life and uh so there there are a lot of interesting topics around this area of uh, helping people who are suffering uh, maybe even who are suffering from terminal illnesses or who are suffering in different areas of their life how do we help them you know one one example we could look to would be the example of our Lord. Ultimately, he helped everybody by dying for us. <laughs> so he didn't help everybody by fixing everybody's problems. But he helped some people by fixing their problems. You know, he, he did heal some people. Uh, why did he heal some and not others? And why does God still heal some and not others? And uh, how, do we, how do we balance consolation in people's suffering with prayer for miracles and healing? And so just to, I wanted to make it a little bit muddy at first because it is muddy. There isn't a single answer. You know, when it comes to euthanasia, for example, do we kill somebody who's in the last stages of their life? The answer is no. The answer is clear. <laughs> so there's, uh, there, there are areas that there are clear answers and there are areas that there are not clear answers. And so 
Uh, just to, we have to recognize that first of all, that there isn't going to be one one size fits all. There isn't one answer for every situation. And then when we start to press into those answers, well, it's going to be a whole variety of things that come into play. And that's where I, as a priest, am going to be looking to the person who's asking the question, for example, well, what's on your heart, you know? And sometimes people will say, gosh, Father, you know, I'm I know that everybody's going to die and everybody's time comes and people uh, sometimes have to have severe afflictions and carry heavy crosses. I know that that all happens and I'm not opposed to that, you know, if that's what needs to happen here. But gosh, I just feel like, you know, that's a different path for this person. And so I listen to that and say, well, let's let's pray for a different path then. You know, why why do they have that idea? And I'm listening for, is this just a, a, an unwillingness to face reality and a certain experience of denial? I can't bear the thought of my wife dying, and so I'm going to fight it tooth and nail. Okay, that's one thing, as opposed to, you know, I know she belongs to God first. I know that she would be in a better place, but it's just really on my heart that it's not her time yet. And so, you know, I want to I want to pray for her, her health, her healing, even for a miracle. So those are two di very different ways of addressing the situation. I want to help everybody get into that place of what St. Ignatius of Loyola calls holy indifference, a willingness to let God do what God's going to do, trusting that God is going to do the best thing. So thy will be done should always be in the center of our hearts, being able to pray thy will be done. Uh, but then what What's what do I do in the face of not knowing exactly what that will is? What do I do when I have a sense that that will is healing in one case or that that will is carrying a cross and even dying in another case? Well, I have to respond to what I believe the Holy Spirit is placing on my heart. It's good for me to talk through that, to try and tease out. It's very easy for us to deceive ourselves and to have a lot of our self mixed up in what we think God's plan is for our lives, to project ourselves onto the Holy Spirit too much. That's always very easy to do. And so we have to be careful about not doing that in a particular situation. And that's where talking it out with somebody, trying to get my finger on what my motivations are, what's going on in my heart is really helpful. At the end of the day, some simple responses are, well, you can always pray for healing. Uh, and then also, it's good to end that prayer, not my will, but thy will be done, just as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. So we can always pray for healing. There's never anything that's lost there that's bad about that. If our praying for healing again becomes a kind of um, anxious, controlling effort to manipulate God, <laughs> then you know, we need some purification in our hearts. There are some things to work through there. But anyway, it doesn't hurt. It's not evil. It's never evil to ask for healing. And so we can always ask God for healing. It's also never evil to entrust someone into God's loving care and that he would give them the strength they need to carry the cross of illness and even to accept them if it's the end of their life. That's also never wrong to do. So to take matters into our own hands and kill somebody, of course, is always wrong. So those are those are that's some of the 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 territory that we're working in, and uh, again, you know, each person's situation is going to be a little bit different. 
both in the way that God is is leading them and then the the actual physical situation. Uh, let me just pause there and give you a chance to respond. I have some other things that I could say, but rather than continuing a, a dialogue with myself, uh, let me give you a chance to step in there. Sure. So one of the key things that, that I think should be brought up there is that starting with the standpoint of where are you coming from? Is it you coming from a spot of denial where you're just not willing to accept that, that this is where it is? You know, we're, we're talking about someone who's in, in, in a in a diagnosis that is not very promising. Uh, let's put it like that. And, you know, I, I think we all have that initial gut reaction of of wanting to fight it for not wanting to 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 accept the the, the loss of a, of a relationship i mean that's one of the things we, we we've talked about a lot here and you know it's it's one of the elements of grief is denial um and trying to fight away from it and, and pretend it's not there so i can see how that would be a a very natural starting point that a lot of us are in or or would go through in that point um you know shock not not knowing how to process it um stuff like that where where it's just it's just how how do you process it and i like that you said you got to understand first where you're at are, are you trying to fight something that ought not to be fought and how to bring the calm into into your own soul really that you know, there's a difference between did you have a broken leg and can we do something to fix it versus, um, you know, the, 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 there not being a lot of time left and that just being what it is. Now, on the other hand, you, you kind of address the other end of the spectrum, which is the wrong motivation is what you're saying is that if we're in a situation where people are, are suffering, um, you don't you don't intentionally kill people. But then that brings in that gray area of modern medicine because now we have um i mean let's just face it 100 years ago if, if you were in a situation that that needed a ventilator you weren't going to make it because the ventilator didn't exist but now they have machines that um you're are doing synthetic work of your organs that that you know you plugged into this and it keeps your heart pounding or or you know they're all different ones but the question becomes there because Yes, the machine is keeping you alive, but if you turn the machine off, you aren't yourself keeping alive. So those types of situations are real. You know what? What is the church stance from from those situations? Uh, because that's part of life now. Well, uh, let's put that on hold just for a moment and and stick with the the question of prayer uh, first. The question about biomedical ethics is a, a big one for which there are many answers and many principles to reason through all of that. And uh, maybe we can even dedicate a whole episode to that, or maybe we'll have a little time left in today's episode. But but just to focus on, on prayer again for the moment, you know, as I said, praying for healing is never a bad thing. And in fact, the most important thing I would say in any situation is prayer. <laughs> so the very fact that someone is praying now, wherever they are in terms of their readiness to uh, accept God's will, uh, wherever they are, the fact that someone is turning to God in prayer is so important. I think it's very easy because of the 
as you said, so many medical interventions that are possible now, which weren't 100 years ago or 500 years ago or whatever, there's a real strong urge to turn to doctors rather than to God. And not that one precludes the other, but we should make sure we turn to both. It's not like, well, I'll turn to doctors, and when doctors are unable to do anything, I'll turn to God. God is not like a last resort. God is is absolutely in the midst of the medical interventions. You know, where do we think these medical things came from? Who inspired this? Who made the the physics and biology possible for these things to happen? Um, you know, so uh, of course, and and who gives the wisdom to the doctors? Who gives the 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 excellence, the expertise to their hands. And so we should never neglect God. We should always turn to him first and foremost. And we shouldn't get uh, paralyzed by not knowing exactly how. Well, the first thing is just opening our heart to him. And uh, the Gospel of John chapter 11 is a good example for us in, in this regard, where Lazarus is dying and a messenger is sent to Jesus and says, Lazarus, your friend, is dying. Uh, please come and, and help. And now Jesus, in that case, actually delays and doesn't come right away. Now, Lazarus is probably already dead by the time he gets the message based on the travel distance and some other things you can kind of calculate. But, but Jesus uh, allows him to, to be dead couple of days, make, takes his time a little bit. And he does that for his own reasons, because he intends to raise him from the dead. <laughs> he intends to give a greater sign. Sometimes we can get lost in the immediate and lose sight of the greater and say, well, success was preventing illness. Failure is allowing illness to take its course. Well, in the case of Lazarus, success was Lazarus dying and being raised from the dead. Failure would have been intervening earlier and having a lesser miracle. You know, it's like, well, we don't often think in those categories, but this is the way that God wants to break us open and see things in a different light to really learn things from his perspective. But then he goes and Jesus hears Martha and Mary. They both come to him and they uh, pour out their hearts to him about Lazarus who has died. Lord, if you had been here, he would be alive. And and he says, do you believe in uh, in the resurrection? Sure, I believe in the resurrection on the last day. And, you know, uh, so, but but Jesus hears their pain. He speaks with them some consoling words. He leads them to greater faith in God. He weeps with them, weeps over the loss of Lazarus and, Lazarus and the, the devastation of death. So he gives us some examples of how to, mourn with people, how to walk with people, how to pray with people. And then ultimately, Jesus calls on a miracle of resurrection and actually brings Lazarus back from the dead. Now, even that is still relative. Sometimes we think, oh, that's the ultimate, you know, if you can bring people back from the dead. No, because he dies again. Lazarus is going to die again. The resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection that awaits us, the resurrection into glory, into heaven, uh, into the presence of God is, you know, that's a, that's the ultimate. And that's what we're, we're aiming at. Everything else is uh, 
just a, a step along the way to that ultimate act of faith and surrender and that ultimate intervention of God to bring us into a, a, a new heavens and a new earth, to give us a new and glorified body, to raise us up to be with him forever. So what leads us along that path? Well, sometimes sickness, sometimes healing, sometimes miraculous healing, but all of it's oriented toward deeper faith in God and strengthening our relationship with him so that we can make the ultimate surrender of our lives, be purified of the things that hold us back and be sanctified by, by the presence of God in our hearts. So uh, that's that's where God is heading with all this. It's really good for us to believe in the power of God. And that's why, again, praying for a, for a, mir a miracle, praying for healing is always a good thing. We don't need to be kind of so specialized that we, you know, to get the answer just right. I don't want to pray for the wrong thing. Well, then just say, you know, thy will be done, not my will be done. Uh, but this is what I want. We're allowed to express what we want. And we're allowed to make an act of faith because the fact is that God is able to heal. And when it, when it serves his purpose, and his purpose is our eternal salvation, when it serves that purpose of eternal salvation, he does work miracles. I have a, a priest friend who is the founder of Encounter Ministries. I'd certainly welcome our listeners looking up Encounter Ministries. And my priest friend, Father Matthias Thalen, has done a lot of miraculous healings. He's healed a lot of people, and he's helped other people use the charism, the gift of healing, to miraculously heal other people. He has these uh, big conferences, and a lot of healings take place, miraculous healings. So we should never also have the illusion that God doesn't heal people anymore. We read about it in the Bible, but we don't hear about it in the news. Well, we don't hear about it in the news because the purpose of the secular press is not the same as the purpose of the Bible. The secular press wants to sell newspapers. The Bible wants to bring about eternal salvation. So we don't hear about it in the news, not because it doesn't happen, but because the secular press isn't interested for whatever reasons. But it's happening. And Father Matthias is an example in the Vatican, you know, validates miracles. Every canonized saint has had two verified miracles using all of the scientific apparatus at our disposal. We can't give a scientific explanation for the things that have happened to people. In the case of every canonized saint, at least two times thoroughly investigated. Uh, but even more broadly than that, like I said, down the block, you know, Father Matthias is in Michigan, but he holds these conferences in a variety of places. And uh, anyway, lots of uh, lots of things happening there. So we should believe in the power of God. We should not be we should not hesitate to call on that power for God to do to heal his beloved children. But always remembering that it's for the sake of not avoiding doctor bills or avoiding the cross or simply making life easier, or uh, wielding a trick in order to have a, you know, a, a more uh, comfortable life. But healing is always for the sake of eternal healing, eternal salvation, what God wants to do in our souls and the ways that he wants to deepen his relationship with us. So if we pray for healing and that healing doesn't come, or doesn't come in the time frame that we want or in the way that we expect, 
we should always make that act of surrender and say, well, God has a greater purpose here. God is doing something better than what I could imagine, than what I was asking for. And that's always the important conversion of attitude, of of perspective that God is trying to bring about in us. So, so anyway, just a few more thoughts on prayer and healing. And, you know, of course, no matter what we're praying for, that's another danger would be I'm praying for healing because I don't want to share the cross with somebody. When we have a loved one who has a terminal illness or who has contracted cancer, who has a long battle ahead of them, sometimes it's too inconvenient. I'd rather just, you know, fix it up and move on because I don't want it to be a burden to my life. I'm afraid that that sometimes, uh, there's a lot of reasons that people turn to euthanasia, uh, but sometimes it's because of the the expense and the burden of taking care of someone who's dying. That's a very sad statement. Again, I know that there are a lot of reasons, so I want to be careful. Uh, sometimes I can, you know, it's possible by overgeneralizing to hit a, a, a very painful place. People who have really struggled in those in those times, and and there are some things that are start to get a little bit fuzzy in that euthanasia realm. You know, where does uh, treating pain you know, where does enough morphine become too much morphine? And anyway, there, there is a little bit of fuzz there on the, on the end. But, but just to say, sometimes our society is just trying to avoid uh, the cross. And, and we can't use prayer to avoid the cross. And we can't use scientific medicine to avoid the cross. Ultimately, the cross is there for all of us. And sometimes we help to bear the crosses of others. And that's always a work of mercy that we're called to. And the, the, what I gathered from there, is you, and you gave a lot of points about it, was that when we're trying to shortcut something and not looking at the long run, typically is where we get in trouble. I mean, that's kind of paraphrasing your paraphrasing, um, <laughs> but that, that seems to be it. And, and we've done many discussions about it, about how you grow um, both the maturity and in your spirit. And that's kind of one of the undercurrents that that's there all the time is that you have to delay something now for a future benefit, you know, delaying the pain and sadness of your friend. I mean, you've at that point in Jesus ministry, he's healed tons of people. It's obvious he knows how to do it. That's why they're running to him for help that he has a reputation of healing people. And he knows he can do that and, and all that, but that would have foregone the pain of, of one of his close friends passing away. That's and right. And there's not too many, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there's not too many people that are directly identified as one of Jesus's friends in the Bible. Um, you know, and you look at your own life, most of us only have a couple of really close knit friends. And I think that that's done that to emphasize you know, that, that he did go through all of this extra grief. Cause that's, that's the other part. I mean, it's a, while the gospel itself, the four books of them add up, but each individual one kind of expects you to add your own human experience to it, to get the mm -hmm. full grasp and listening just to the Bible without putting extra thought into it is almost like listening to a podcast on three times speed where, yeah, you'll hear all the words, but you're going to miss the in-between episodes. You know, you, you're, it just doesn't work. 
And that's certainly something that that I think is, is, is important to reflect on, that it might not say in, in great detail how Jesus reacted. It's not like a modern no- novel where, you know, you see him getting on his knees and, and holding everyone's hand and all that. that that's meant for us to, to add. It certainly does not mean it didn't happen. Um, but in a certain sense, it's, it's sticking to the highlights of, of the core of what happened instead of getting into the, the direct minutiae of it. And yeah, well said, very well said. Yeah. We have to take time to reflect on the scripture, really uh, enter into the passage and fill it out with the details of, of our own experience. Hmm? Yeah. and, And, and obviously there's, um, this is part of life. I mean, none of us stay here forever. Um, even those that, that Jesus brought back don't stay here forever. So it, it's something that inevitably will happen to each of us and, and to each person around us, whether it happens to us first or them first, it's inevitably going to happen to us all. And, you know, I think that I thank you for giving the time here of how to address it and how to, how to put God center. You know, I think that, that, you have both sides of the argument coming at you here um, as far as why people say that they don't want to pray for us. One says one side is, is I don't want to deal with the burden and, and it scares me. And then the other side saying that, well, I'm weak. If I ask for help that, that I'm not in a spot of enough faith. And the real answer is both sides are wrong. Talk to God. It's, it's essentially the best thing that, that you can do. It's why we bring up prayer well over a quarter of all of our episodes, if not more. Um, it's, it's the, it's the, the basis of the faith at the end of the day. <laughs> um, so, so with that being said, father, I, I'd like to give you a chance to, to give the last words here and, and then we'll be off for, uh, for next week. Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, you said it well, Joe, that the prayer is really the essential thing. And so as we live, lives of prayer as we dedicate ourselves to spending more time with God. Again, it's it's really about building a relationship with Him. Prayer is about having a relationship with Him. And when we stop treating Him like a slot machine or a vending machine in which we insert a couple of nickels and we try to get out our uh, chosen result, <laughs> and we start treating Him more like a person, which He is, actually three persons, um, then you know, that's, that's where our prayer life really starts to grow. That's where our faith really grows. And so that's the, that's the most important thing for us to take away today. I think. Perfect. Well, hopefully that's the message that landed with everyone out there. Um, we, we thank you all for listening and we'll be again with you here next week.